Hashtag Women, Women in Africa series, we are delighted to be joined by Yemi Kerry, CEO of Hecabella, a technology business transformation company and co-founder of the Rising Tide Africa, a women's movement of women angel investors harnessing their power, network, passion, and capital to positively impact and actively create a new Africa. To celebrate International Women's Day, Invest Africa is hosting a podcast series, hashtag Winning Women in Africa, to promote inspirational African female industry leaders. Yemi is at the forefront of digital transformation to tackle business and social problems and is recognized as one of the leading women in technology in Nigeria and an inspiration for many. We're really looking forward to speaking to Yemi today and to learn more about her career path. She's a strong believer in women having an important voice and an equal participation between males and females at boardroom level. So Yemi, what does Hecabella do and what inspired you to found it? Uh, Hecabella is a digital transformation company and we pretty much try to deliver effective, reliable and sustainable information technology solutions to businesses in Africa. We, we leverage information tools to help our clients make the best possible business decisions and build a team that has the capacity to, to give, drive the, their organizational growth. So in, in a nutshell, what we are doing is helping businesses leverage on technology to grow their, their organizations. And were you always interested in technology? No, my background actually is in accountancy. Uh, I started off my, my early years uh, uh, working in a bank. And from there, I moved on to other industries. But uh, I got the stint of technology when I started working SAP. Um, that is the global software, German software organization. Yeah, And that's where my career in technology really started. Basically, as a software business development manager. But over the years um, within SAP, I you know, had to learn through the ropes. I had to also um, educate myself and create, get the knowledge um, about SAP, the core, the core application, um, to enable me carry out my duties. And that was where I, I fell in love with um, with um, technology, as it were. Thank you for sharing that with us and the background to Hecabella and what inspired you to found it. I think it would be interesting for our listeners to know how. Um, in your opinion, women's participation in investing across Africa has changed over the years? Well, over the years, it has improved us drastically because more and more women are campaigning and making, making, taking the strides to enable us um, close the gender gap. We understand that the more female fund, fund allocators that there are, the more we will close the gender uh, funding gap. And we are beginning to see a lot more um, allocators of female founders, managers in the angel investment space, the VC, the PE space, more, more and more on the continent. You know, out of last year, 2022, out of the 7 billion raised, 7% of the VC funding went to female CEOs and less than 1% uh, went to single female founders. So the the capital really is just not flowing to the female entrepreneurs. And so we recognize that as 
women, we must take a deliberate step in changing the dynamics of this. Since 2008, there were about, I think, only 16 female funds in Africa. But now they are, this has increased. I am not sure what the number is, but I know that um, since then, we've had a Desuwa Kumbo, we've had, um, which is Arua Capital, we've had um, She Equity. So there, there will be between the a, the range of 20 to 25 female funds in Africa at, at this point in time. Disparity in the capital allocation is the fundamental issue and why, why there is a gap. You know, a lot of the data is showing that when you invest, there's increased profitability when you increase in, invest in female founders. So there are different um, changes within this landscape. Uh, a lot of attention has shifted to the genderless investment. The World Economic Forum, once it came out from them that it would take us about 127 years to close the gender gap, the urgency to close the gap now became very real. So we are beginning to see more international investors and DFIs interested um, and even directing their own funds to prioritize and allocate funds to female-led female or female-owned funds so that the, the funds can also fund with female entrepreneurs. We are seeing organizations, uh, women come together to support one another through providing a, a shared space for networking, knowledge sharing, you know, increasing uh, awareness and, you know, learning from one another. It's one of such is um, women in Africa, uh, investors. And then there's also the chat group I belong to called Women Investing in Africa. And so many of these initiatives are beginning to occur. We also have the gender innovation labs across the continent. I know there's one in Ethiopia. So investing in women is is the most un, unrealized assets that um, anyone would want to investing. So the landscape for women participating in, in investing across Africa has changed. I, for one, um, started off Rising Tide Africa, where we are a group of female angel investors. And so we invest at the early stages um, for and focus on female-owned and female-led um, gender-diverse startups so that, you know, we are beginning to close the gender funding gap inch by inch on the continent. Fantastic, um, the initiatives of the Rising Tide and Hecabella in trying to close the gender gap and address the disparity in capital allocation across the continent. I'm just gonna take it closer to home now in Nigeria and ask um, what are some of the specific barriers that you feel prevent women from joining the tech community in Nigeria? And do you think that education systems play a role in this? Well, um, ed education is very critical. Some of the the barriers stem from our background and also culture. In Nigeria, I mean, during the time that I was brought up, you know, there were masculine kind of careers which tech belonged to, tech, engineering, those were sort of masculine. Not as though we were told categorically, but the environment and, and in which we, we saw careers pan out was that a man was an engineer. Women could be doctors and lawyers or teachers, you know, but so the technology in itself in our environment was seen to be a masculine. It was perceived to be a masculine um, career. 
And this this also panned on into our school settings, whereas you would see that from the secondary schools, tertiary institutions would have maybe 1%, max 2% of women or girls in now known as the STEM fields. It inherently became a barrier to women perceiving that they could uh, go into a technology career um, for the long term. So, so education is very critical. How many girls look at STEM education because of um, social pressures, you know, to pressure more traditional f- feminine uh, uh, fields. And the STEM education in reality makes it easier for the, the girl child to see themselves and encourages them, see themselves and ex- explore the technology as a career. The way it has been taught makes them curious and more curious and makes it more fun. They begin to remove that stigma of it being a male-dominated environment. Education is really very important. More importantly is the STEM because it's, it's an excellent subject for promoting equality in the classroom since all the children can participate in the lessons and activities you know introducing the the stem at primary and and secondary levels can help give the the girl child the the color uh, and the the hands-on learning experience and opportunities to explore particularly in the in the technology space we're beginning to see a lot of organizations come up with um um code for girls and you know summer courses technology is now being much more perceived as a career that can be taken by a lot of women. And more increasingly is that women are beginning to to see technology as a way in which they can also uh, progress their careers. So a woman in health, women are, a lot of women are in health and they are driving the future of the health tech you know, using technology. As technology is becoming more important in almost all sectors of of organizations, more and more women are beginning to participate in technology. Thank you for sharing those insights with us, Yemi. I think it's really very true. Promoting equality in the classroom is incredibly important to steering socioeconomic development generally. Africa has nearly 50% of the world's mobile money accounts, um, and we've seen the development of this thriving startup ecosystem in recent years. But this lively tech scene, women still make up only a very small percentage of the tech workforce in sub-Saharan Africa. So what challenges have you experienced as a woman in tech, starting Hecabella and Rising Tide? <laughs> um, very interesting question. There's sort of a funnel, funnel shape when you see women from when they study or when they go into their careers um, from from managers to CEOs in the industry, the funnel begins to reduce and there are less, less women in, in the hierarchy or top positions of organizations in technology. For me, I had to go through that funnel to become a CEO of my own company. They say when, they, when you are unable to attain it, um, you, you create your own table. 
And for me, starting Hakabela was one of such. Uh, and, and so when they say well, I'm one of the foremost women in technology in Nigeria, uh, it is not because I have not faced a lot of challenges. Challenges in the workspace. I, I remember, you know, in my organization, one of the organizations I worked with where um, I, I was being referred to unconsciously by those men as that girl. Why would that girl come and tell me what to do just because I was a woman? And, and if my colleagues within that organization were not looked down on in that manner. Um, but one has to just forge your head. There are certain fights that you fight. There are certain fights you let go. I, I remember um, about three years ago, to be precise, we bidded for um, a, a job. Um, uh, Hakabela bidded for a job with, with one of the large corporations. And we got to the final stage. And I was called aside to say, you know, Yemi, we know even with, throughout the negotiations and all of the back and forth that your company is the one that should have been chosen. However, we had instructions from the top you know, that a colleague of my boss who you are competing with. So the old boys network is there and you have to face it at all times. I was very bitter because I know the kind of efforts that my team had put in place. So these challenges occur, but you always as a, a, a woman have to put keep your eyes on the ball. There is a lack of female representation at the top of, of, of a lot of these organizations. Therefore, sponsorships, um, opportunities for roles for younger women is very few and far between. So for those of us that have similarly made, made it to the, the, the top of our careers, have to pave the way, really, and make the challenges that other women are going to experience in the tech sector easier. And that is by mentoring and sponsoring them. Because if we do not do that, chances are that within a particular sphere in their career, they will drop off and leave the, leave the, um, the, the, the tech space. And we really need more of more of these women in, women in the tech space. So, you know, it, it's challenging. But a lot of us are paving the way for others to come in. There is, there is a lot of unconscious bias. There are policies that could be made that could ease, ease women and, and could have more material impact on the women's livelihoods. So in your workspace, I recall that, you know, women had to fight for the crashes to be in the offices. Um, this was way before the COVID time. Um, to enable them to be able to manage their, you know, sort of balance their life and, and be able to watch their children when they pick them up from school and have them in the creche while they continue their work. So certain organizations have to put in place certain things that would make it easier um, for those women in tech and other women really that are, are career based coming through the career path easier. Thank you, Yemi. I think it's so true, this idea of the double burden that women face in the workplace um, and dismantling the unconscious bias is something that we still need to work on, not only um, in the tech sector in Africa, but generally um, in all sectors of the global economy. So I think it would be interesting, as you touched upon it briefly, about the policies that could be put in place. Um, what role do you think the public sector 
can play in growing the role of women-led businesses and SMEs in Africa? Public sector, meaning mostly the government. And if the government understands that, in, in for instance, in Africa, the SMEs and really the women uh, contribute significantly to the elevation of poverty and increased job creation. SMEs and the women-led businesses are dominant operators in the informal economy and they engage at least be between 70 to 80 percent of the workforce population. If, if the governments are, or the public sector is very serious about developing their economy, then they must play significant roles in, in alleviating, growing the SMEs and the women-led businesses. You know, the, the role of government in any economy is to increase the development of resources, both human and material. That is to make sure that they can achieve entrepreneurial development. It stems from making it, you know, in Nigeria, we call it the ease of doing business. For upcoming and existing entrepreneurs, the SMEs, legislation to regulate smooth running of the SMEs, providing infrastructural development. This can go on and on. Look, studies have shown that in the next decade, 10 of the 20 fastest growing economies in the world will come out of the continent of Africa. And so the governments of Africa need to be very deliberate in providing and improving all of the infrastructural development that can sustain the population that is coming in the next decade. This includes in electricity, transportation, security, you know, communication, all of those need to be improved. Now, to drill it further down, I think that the public sector can create policies that will support the growth of women-led and, and SMEs in Africa, from the tax incentives for women-led businesses and SMEs to providing easier access to finance and credit facilities. These are very critical in the growth of any, any SME. They, they, they must make the interest rates and the loans, you know, or on loans more affordable rather than it being very intimidating. The other thing I think is important for the public sector is to provide education and training. Programs for women, programs for entrepreneurs. I know that um, in Nigeria, there are a lot of vocational, uh, vocational skills, trainings that are going on. These must be very, very deliberate, whether it's entrepreneurship in uh, financing, management, you know, all of those support services. Those trainings that, that entrepreneurs and women-led businesses need need to be affordable, if not free, uh, and to be created so that it is, it is so deliberate to ensure that the growth of these businesses would then amount to the ripple effect or the multiplier effect of creating a better economy for the continent. Thank you so much, Yemi. I've really enjoyed speaking with you today and thank you for sharing all your points with us and the challenges that you continue to face and also address. And we look forward to following your journey and Hecabella's journey for changing the narrative for women and small businesses across Africa. Thank you so much for having me, Charlotte. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.